Welcome to the Legacy of You podcast, episode two. This is part two of the Unfuck Thy Life Legacy Show, which is a monthly show that I do down in LPR here in New York City. That's La Poussin Rouge, for those of you that don't know. It's a great event that we put on to take accomplished people, put them on stage to tell messages about, wow, this is what I did to get here. I failed. And I failed a lot. Or I'm scared. And I'm scared a lot, you know. And when you take an audience and you put them in front of people who have done great things, you know, we often put those people on pedestals. But guess what? They're people too. They put their underwear and panties on one leg at a time themselves as well. And I think those role models to have to see, wow, the only difference between you and me is you're out there and you're taking the action, right? And action is everything. You could talk all you want. I don't care what you know. I care about what action you're taking. So welcome to the podcast, Legacy Show. Uh, This was our anniversary show, by the way. So this is the anniversary show of the Legacy Show in 2017, January. Let's meet our role models. Every single show, we've got a little section called A Matter of Fear, and it features, well, Jordan Matter, which is a the New York Times bestselling photographer for his book, Dancers Among Us. Uh, you, if you don't know his photography, you do know his photography. You've seen it on the internet. It's got like pictures of dancers jumping over cabs or doing cartwheels and Precarious locations. Uh, he's a huge risk taker. And uh, he also recently did a book called Dancers After Dark. Google this, GTS, Google this shit or Google that shit, right? Look at those photos. No, they're not cropped in, they're not photoshopped. That is the photo he took. So he went at great distances to take risk to get the shot that he wanted and so did his subjects his dancers that he shot uh in the photography so check it out and i love having him on the show every single time he always has an amazing energy always amazing words to say and he's one of my role models whenever i'm not doing something big enough i go wwjd and no not what would jesus do what would jordan do in this case so here he is at the legacy show jordan matter Thank you, Michael. You know, I think um, from now on, if I keep doing this, can you have me come up first? Just because, Jesus, like, first of all, the cats. Like, how do you follow the cats, right? That's almost impossible. I realized I was already fucked, and then Faye comes up, and I have to tell you something about this. I wrote uh, an introduction to Dancers After Dark that was based completely and entirely on Leap and the Net Will Appear. I mean, I own Leap and the Net Will Appear <laughs> until fucking tonight. Now, I like, first of all, I don't even own it, but then every time I, I try to say it, it's, I'm just going to think of Faye and her much better story about that. Um, and also notice he said, for five minutes, very specifically. Because <laughs> I never go for five, like we're already at three minutes. <laughs> Um, I, I want to just uh, give, first of all, Sandy Chase is sitting in the back. He made that film. He makes a lot of films behind the scenes. He is a god among men, and he's here with a date, so we have to give him a huge round of applause to impress her. Yes. I like how she's waving. Yes, I'm Sandy's date. I'm Sandy's date. And also, look at this crowd, and, and uh, Michael, man, I don't know. I haven't said this, but like, this is, a, you just make this happen for people. I mean, you're not. The money goes to charity. I just like, this is incredible that you're doing this. You're sticking with it. So give me, come on, let's. I'm not going to hug. That's not manly. It's like a chest pound. We can do it again. We can do it again. 
By the way, that doesn't count to my five minutes because you no, right, you instigated that second one. Yes. Um, I, I've, I have been here for, for most of these events. I have to say that uh, you know this crowd and these speakers and this topic is like my absolute favorite. I mean, unfuck thy life. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. It's succinct. It's passionate. It's lacking all subtlety. And I love it. Now, I just want to um, say one thing. I think that from now on, as I'm talking, because I know you're filming this and you have to do a lot of editing, if I happen to use the word fuck, I'm going to replace it with beep. Just to make it easier for you in editing, which you do anyway, okay? So let me give this a try, okay. I, I, have, I have one thing to say, and I will keep this relatively short. Um, in, in order to unbeep your, fuck this, I can't do it. <laughs> Yeah, in order to, you just, more work for you. In order to unfuck your life, you need to get fucked frequently. <laughs> Hold on. Jesus. Oh my God, Lauren. I'm not talking literally, okay? I'm talking figuratively. You need to get yourself fucked. You need to put yourself in situations that you have no idea how you're going to get out of, and then you need to find a way to get out of them. So for this book, Dancers After Dark, uh, which I worked on for two years, it became my working method. After every shot, I needed to up the ante, and I needed to make it more and more difficult. And I found that if I got to a location, and I wasn't terrified out of my mind, it wasn't going to be a good photo. So instead, what I would do is I would just get to a situation where it was so impossible to do it. And then we would construct something and we would make it happen. And I would find a deeper place as an artist, more, ex more interesting and more exciting uh, photograph than I could have found if I had conceptualized it and storyboarded it ahead of time. And it became a process that now I rely on is a fear that I need to be afraid before I can create. And there is this uh, therapy, I think, called rejection therapy. I don't know if anybody's heard of it, but the idea is, is that you give yourself uh, the goal of getting rejected every day. So you do impossible things. You ask to borrow $100 from a stranger. You try to get a free Big Mac at McDonald's, anything, <laughs> because you know you're going to get rejected, and then you get inured to the rejection eventually. And I would like to call this get fucked therapy, right? It all starts, I think, with this one idea, which is the power of maybe. So if you find yourself wanting something for yourself, either personally or professionally, that you do not think you can achieve, rather than saying no and seeing the obstacles, say maybe, maybe I can do it, and then go out and try. And the way we would do these photographs um, is we would, I would, find some crazy location, Times Square, in front of Notre Dame, name it, iconic places all over Europe and North America where when we get there, it seemed almost impossible. There's police around, there's lots of pedestrians. It was all completely illegal. There was a chance we could get arrested um, or worse. And what I would say to the dancers is I would say, just do me one favor. Don't say no to this idea. Just say maybe, and then let's construct the pose together and let us collaborate together and come up with an idea 
and rehearse it, and then we will decide together whether or not it is worth the risk to take the photo. And in absolutely every single case, once we did that, we decided together that it was worth the risk and we would take the photo. And if we hadn't believed a little bit in the power of maybe, there would be no book, I wouldn't be standing here chest bounding Michael. And I just want to close, and I bet I almost got my five fucking minutes for once, next time I get extra time. I want to just close by simply giving you this goal. Tonight, well, get drunk. Tonight, get drunk. Party with your friends. Let's have an after party. Michael's paying. Tomorrow morning, get up and get fucked. Thank you very much. Good night. Mary Bridget Davies. I didn't meet her in person until the actual show itself. She was recommended to me by my friend Kate Egan, who is a company manager on Broadway. Mary Bridget Davies is one of those people you meet and you go, this is a one-of-a-kind human being. I mean, I'd like to think everyone is a one-of-a-kind. Actually, I know everyone's a one-of-a-kind human being. But Mary Bridget Davies, uh, definitely the mold is broken. She's uh, has her own band. It's called the Mary Bridget Davies Group. But you might know her from Broadway uh, from the Love Janice musical that was out, which she was a Tony nominee for. Uh, you know, I, I don't even want to give you any more introduction. I just want you to hear what she has to say. I listen to what she says, the video that's online, over and over and over again. She says some stuff that just trips me out, but it's all right and all true and all motivating. And uh, what's really cool about her is I'm the lead producer at StarQuest, the dance competition. Uh, I don't know if she actually ever danced at StarQuest, but she was a competition dancer as a kid herself. You know, for someone who used to work at the UPS door, then uh, grow all the way to be a Broadway Tony nominee. Would love to introduce you now to Mary Bridget Davies. If you ever saw the Janis Joplin musical here on Broadway, she was the Tony nominee playing Janis Joplin. I'd like to bring to you Mary Bridget Davies. Hi. How are you guys doing? Right? I've almost recovered from said stories before. No, literally, when Dory was talking about Giddy, I was like, oh my God, Pearl, my kid, oh my God, and we used to call her Ball the Giddy, and I can't, just crying, and it's good to cry. Like this, I just want to welcome everyone because you either were interested in or you're full of and done with putting up with fuckery. <laughs> Correct? It's one of my favorite words. And I was born fucked, um, and I'll tell you why. I was born with an autoimmune deficiency called psoriasis. And what it does is it manifests itself as a skin disease. So not only do you feel like shit, you look like shit. You're covered from head to toe in red scales and you're, you're, you have absolutely no self-confidence. But I was a little kid with a dream. There's a video of me and I'm three years old and I gotta tell you, it's one of those VHS like shaky tapes in the basement of like a fire station in Fairview Park, Ohio. And it's my, and with our glorious Cleveland accents, like, come on, no, they're coming out now. Shh, Brian, be quiet, are you recording, you know? Hear my grandma in the back, which is the cool part, because, you know, I was young when I lost them, but, so all the ballerinas come out, and they're perfect little leotards, and they're, they're little underpants tucked under just so, and they're, their tights are lined up in the back with their buns that are just slicked back for Jesus, and just, 
you know, just mel- just helmet heads. And I come out, picking my wedge, bun askew, just ready for, and I'm like, mm, up here? I don't think so, that takes way too much energy. I'm like, okay, the music starts, people are looking at us. I'm like, what? Start picking my nose. <laughs> See my family, wave. Like, what's up? Aren't you proud of me? All of them. They start moving, right? And my best friend, Brooke, literally, I was born August 30th. She was born September 1st. Our mothers recovered in the hospital together. We literally have been best friends since birth. And so she starts going, I'm like, okay, Brooke. And I start following her around. We're going, Susu. And of course, Susu for me was flat-footed with my hands like this. And then I run into the back of her head because I'm looking at everyone looking at us because I'm like, this is amazing. And I'm like, crack. And she's like, and I'm like, <laughs> you see it. I'm like, I'm sorry. Three. So we don't even have that in our vocabulary yet that like you win and I'm the asshole, which is kind of what's been our dynamic for a time immemorial. So then I, I decide to punch in and I do a little down do and I put my arms up and I go down and I come up and I fall. <laughs> and everybody laughs and I'm like, wait, there's something to this. <laughs> So you mean to tell me I can come just like shuffling in, like half-assing it the whole way and steal the show? It's good. So we finish, and I see my family, and people start clapping. Now, this is the first time I've ever heard people clap, like more than just like, happy birthday to you. Okay, blow out the candles, Bridget. This was like 50 people, and I was like, everyone, we start leaving, and I stop, and I put my hands on my tutu, and then I folded my hands on my tutu. Like, yes, you're welcome. And I start walking away, and I turn and I wave. And then I just run off with the rest of the kids, and my, my grandma goes, uh-oh. And that's what it had always been. It's just been an uh-oh situation, because I've always wanted to perform, and I've always wanted to make people happy. And Brooke was an Eeyore, and I fucking hate Eeyores, man. <laughs> I fucking, because I'm an Eeyore on the inside, don't get me wrong, but you'll never see me talking about, lost my tail again. I'm tiggering on that fucking tail, okay? Because I don't want to bum you out, man. I don't want to bum you out with my bullshit and my, oh, my life is terrible and I'm so insecure. No. So she would do that and I would make her laugh and, and that was our dynamic, but that became who, who my outer persona is. I'm actually a very anxiety-riddled and introverted person. If you don't know me, when I'm here, this thing is like a wall. And I'm like, you can't touch me, no, no, no. But I, I, see, I see you by the bathroom, I'm like, hi, how are you doing? I'm like, uh, what is it from Office Space? I was like, I have the red stapler. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like Milton. I'm like, there's two squirrels outside and they're getting married. They moved my office to the bit. You haven't been on payroll for eight years. No, no, it's okay. Like, I deserve it or something. But so I've always tiggered out. And um, so moving on from the dance stuff, then you get into dance where it's like, hey, guess what? We're in competitive dance. You know what that means? Sew your mouth shut. And also, (laughs) no, seriously. And also, you're like gonna be naked all the time. No, this is where the psoriasis kicks in and I'm like, no. Clearly I could do something at like, can we do tap? Is tap good? Can you wear clothes and tap? And they're like, you wear more clothes and tap. I'm like, tap it is. So then that's where the rhythm came in and that's where that soul came in. My parents grew, they're baby boomers and they grew up, I grew up listening to the best music that a kid that was listening to also Salt and Peppa and New Kids on the Block and all that good stuff. Bell, 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 that girl is, mm, mm. Never trust a big button. It's not like, yeah, you can. Watch, I'm gonna have one when I'm older. 
you know? And my mom's like, who are you talking to? Because that was me in my bedroom. <laughs> we had a canopy bed, so I was like, this is my microphone now. Do you guys, anyone know? If you don't, it's okay. But so it's just this little thing that you would like, it was like hastily glued to the top and you could pull it off and it was just like your microphone. And I had two older sisters, so I'm like, that's your microphone. That's your microphone. I took your nail polish and put orange on the top. So this one's mine. Like I had to, like, I already labeled like rhinestoned out. And um, that's who I wanted to be. But my parents had this, like, we would listen to James Brown. Please, please, please. Like every Thanksgiving after we'd eat, we're all full. And my aunt would do the thing and she'd throw the, she'd throw the blanket off. And I'm like, this is, this is entertaining. Like, this is amazing. You know, how do I, how do I do this? So we're in dance. We're in these dance competitions. There was an open category where, you know, the baton twirlers could do that weird, awkward thing for like two minutes. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's good. Okay, thanks. How do we score that? I don't know how to score that. Like some kids came out and did like serious, serious dramatic monologues. And you're like, I don't, you're 11. Where does that come from? Like it's, it's beautiful. I don't know. And then I came out and I sang Twilight Time by the Platters in this dress that was like this big, it was like a gone with the wind. It was, a, it was an ordeal. It was like this teal taffeta thing. And it was to one of those, um, remember when karaoke was just like the, the VHS, or excuse me, the, the cassette tape track? And then you had like the other one at home where you could tape yourself on the other cassette. I'm 38 years old. I'm not afraid to tell you how old I am. And, and, and uh, you'd be like, okay, I'm, I sound good on that. We're going to do that. So come out in the cassette kit, and I'm like, heavenly shades of night are falling. It's twilight time. And my mom's like, do the dip. You could see her in the back of the room. And I'm like, I'm 12 now. Like, I understand basic motor function, mom. It's cool. Because we have a terrible, terrible, like, stage mom and daughter love-hate relationship. Like, I would literally be stomping around, like, changing my numbers, like, the night before this, for the thing. She's like, she's getting, Brian, and she, my, both my parents chain smoke. She's losing, she's gonna lose. She's gonna lose. She's changing everything? All the hard work we've, we've done. She was a full-time nurse. I, look, she lied to my dad about how expensive those costumes were, and that was a big deal, because, like, a hundred bucks for, like, a bathing suit with a hat and like a little bit of sequence was total BS and my dad would have said nope you're getting a job and I did then that goes to the next part so he found out so then I had to work a casual corner and folding and here's what was so great because I'm thinking I'm gonna get a sales job right commissions baby they're like um and the woman literally was like you're you're kind of a strange girl aren't you and I'm like yeah like at that point I was 15 I was like yeah and uh, she's like, well, we'll just have you do inventory in the back. So literally, I was the one that was steaming all of your like luxury gowns in the back, listening to Bush 16 Stone, breathe in, breathe out. It was like so angsty. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. So I did. And I went to college. And then I had no parental, none, no parental advisory, anything. And I forgot to go to school. What happened to you? <laughs> I graduated high school with a 3.8, and I uh, ended my first uh, semester at Kent State with a 1.4. And my, they were like, there's freshman forgiveness, and my mother sent me to an all-girl Catholic college next. 
that was gonna teach me. What it taught me was those girls were more crazy than the public school girls because they were already doing coke and getting tattoos and we were like literally three months into our 18th birthdays. And I was like, you know, this isn't hitting it either. I was like, well, maybe I'll just go, okay, I'll be good, I'll go to Bowling Green, mom, I'll go to Bowling Green. It's kind of a party school, but it's kind of got a good performing arts program and I swear I'll put my best foot forward. And all that was was that fear. Because I always was told growing up, oh, you're a real good singer, Bridget. Like, yeah, this is definitely what you do. But it's like when you had to prove it. And then what if they said no? Like, yeah, you're all right. You know, that, then that, that was going to be Dash. So I was on crew. I was in the Model United Nations. I would debate people. And I was just this completely other different version of myself because I was afraid of the person that lives in here was finally going to be found out as a fraud. And they go, yeah, well, you're just like everybody else, so you know, forget about it, screw you. So I did that, and I kept my head down, and I went to school. And then it was about the third, third year, and I was like, you know what I'm going to do, Mom? And she's like, I hate when you start a sentence that way. <laughs> I said, I'm going to quit. There's an improv company downtown, and there's no girls in it, and I'm pretty funny, right? She's like, that's not the point. <laughs> she's like what are you talking about? I said, I'm going to quit school. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. She's like, well, how are you going to support yourself? And I said, I'm going to get a job at UPS. <laughs> and I did from 3 a.m. to 9 a.m. I loaded package trucks. And you know what those assholes did to me? They put me on three trucks. Normally you have two. They put me on three. And it was a, it was a mall. It was like a, where there was a Cintas uniforms Gateway computer, like the heaviest things you possibly could. And my, my thing, my cage was bottom tan. So it started up here like blue, red, green, tan. So it'd be like, these computers coming like down here. And I'd have to like whip them over and do it. And I'm like, I will not, I will not let myself down. I will make this happen. So I auditioned for the comedy company and I made it in. And I got to go to the Chicago Improv Festival in 2001. And I got to meet Tina Fey because my company completely got hammered and didn't show up for our Improv Olympic spot at three in the morning. <laughs> so I'm like, estudiante, see? Like, if, I, if I'm really into something, I'm there, you know, bells are on and everything, and this kid from Boston that was say, same kind of like work ethic as me were standing there, but he knew Horatio Sands and Tina Fey. He's like, well, what are we gonna do? You wanna just play? You wanna play? And I'm like, you want Tina Fey and Horatio to want me to play with them? And they're like, yeah, it's three in the, and she goes, yeah, it's three in the morning, everyone's drunk anyway, if you suck, no one will remember. <laughs> And we had the best time. And I was like, you know what, that's okay. And I stayed with that. And then I was just like, you know what? It's this singing thing that, that's, still, that's still on my chest. And I, I can't not live without that. So I went to uh, Fat Fish Blue, which is a club in Cleveland uh, where I'm from. And Robert Lockwood Jr., who was like the son of Robert you know, Lockwood, just... You just think about, like, no, 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 it's a big deal. It's a big deal because he has, like, 300 of them. But th this one lived in Cleveland, and he was the most famous, and he had the, the, the pedigree and the legacy, if you will. And um, I got up to sing at a blues club, and I was terrified. And I just sang the stuff that my mom and dad played. And he's like, you know, you're not bad. You might want to turn this into a career. And I was like, okay, how do you do that? And he goes, ha, fuck if I know. <laughs> Because he was like 80 and playing in Cleveland for $50 on a Wednesday night. You know, it's rough. You know, it's really hard. And I was like, I don't care. I'm going to try that. So it became a cat and mouse game of which utility bill do I need to keep on? <laughs> I'm like, well, it's winter, so probably the gas so I don't freeze the pipes. But literally, I would be on the stove boiling water to go put in the tub to get ready for my show. 
with a smile on my face and my like four-year-old MAC lipstick that I had money for once and go out there and just lie to everybody that I had my shit together because that's something that my great-grandfather said. He goes, no matter, and he killed a man and went to prison. It was an accident, it was a bar fight, whatever. It was, it's like 1918, whatever. I wasn't around, were you there? I don't know the real story. And uh, he said, he said, he goes, Bridget, he goes, even when you're down and if they ask you, you know, how you doing, say, I'm great, never been better, how are you? And I said, okay, and I'll remember that, and I did. So while I'm boiling water to take a bath to come do a show, you know, I'm just coming in like everything's fine. And uh, that took a lot of years, and as something that Faye was saying, I, I wound up doing that thing where you marry your bass player. Because you're like, oh my God, it's like double money. And we live in the same house and like, it's gonna totally work out. You'll support me, right? Crickets, I get my first theater show and it's Love Janice, this other show about Janice Joplin and uh, he didn't show up. He didn't show up to closing. He didn't show, he left after the opening night party like halfway through because he was tired. He didn't even have a fucking job. I was tired. I just want to go to bed, you know? And, I, and he didn't have a driver's license, so, like, I would have to leave events early to take him home because I had to stand by my man, Tammy Wynette. Bullshit. It was a, how about he stands next to me because I'm pulling my shit together right now and he should be supporting me. And if he fucking turns around and does the same, I'll do the same fuck thing for him. Fuck. Fuck thyself. He could fuck thyself. And we're unfucking ourselves. Yeah, he just posted on Facebook. And I'm like, you know what? Unfriend, what am I doing? I'm like, we've been divorced for like a billion years. And his wife like asks me, I'm like, really, girlfriend? Like, if you haven't figured that shit out yet, I, it's not my cross to bear anymore. But they were like all over Facebook, like, we're moving, we're moving to Florida. <laughs> and I'm like, who the fuck? Okay, you know what? Unfriend, I'll do it. But what is that fear? What if I miss out on some? Who fucking cares if you're missing out on people who don't? You have to surround yourself with people that care about you and that want to see you doing better than you're doing today and that enjoy your company and that push you to do better than you're already doing. And it doesn't mean that you compete with. That There's a difference to that. Your girlfriend that you're like, oh, let's go to the gym, okay. And then you're on the treadmill and you're like, Oh, I'm, not, I'm not even tired. Because you're being competitive bitches, that's not your friend. She's your, she's your acquaintance, and you should have acquaintances. There should be a hierarchy, like the little, uh, you know, the pyramid. You just have a few good ones on top, and the rest let it fall down, and the farther out they go, that's good, and it's good to see you when I see you. And if I don't, I wish you well. Tell your mother I said hello. That's all you need. You just need a couple good people in your corner, because they'll be the ones that'll let you know when you're fucking up, and you'll hate them for it because they're right. And I had that happen to me. So when I'm doing this theater thing and I kept doing the same show for the same amount of money for five years, maybe more, I'm the one that became the name pull and the draw and everything else. And I'd be like, so like, do I get to pay rate? Well, no, you know, times are hard. I didn't have an agent. I was trying to do it all by myself. And I just had no self-worth. I said, I'm like a little puppet that you press a button and I go out there and I do that. And that's lying to myself as an artist. And that's not kicking it anymore like, I can't pay the bills this way and how what am I gonna do what am I gonna this is the only thing I know how to do which is bullshit and if you find yourself in that loop where like well this is the only character I know how to do or this is the only music I know how to play or this is the only way I know how to express myself it's just the only one you've decided 
was good enough that you could keep things going and keep up appearances for now. You know, the fuckery is normalcy. Fuckery is that thing where you're like, mm, but I can't leave and we've been together so long and I mean, like, we have a house and who's going to get the cat? Who's going to, I mean, this is a big fucking deal. It's like, it's just such a hassle. We'll just stay together miserably. I would rather be totally by myself and with my shit together and then someone orbits into my astral plane who's also on their own shit together planet and then we like lock and then, then the rings happen and it's a beautiful thing, Saturn shit. I don't want to have all of your Hubble telescope trash keep coming into my fucking atmosphere for me to feel like I have to clean it up. That's fucking yourself. That's fucking yourself. And so when I got to go to Broadway and I got to finally do the show, I was standing there, right? It's opening night. And I was like, everything's going to open up. And they was like, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage. And I had one of the most crippling anxiety attacks I've ever had in my life. Now, I don't know. You guys don't know me. But when I get a panic attack, I, I, become, I, I get claw hands and I can't move. And I can't make sounds. So like literally like they started in like high school and I'd be in bed thinking I'm screaming for my mom like mom help me and literally I'm in, in bed like mom. <laughs> so literally it's like it's opening night and and it's like and they start it started clawing and I was like fuck you you know what you asked for this and I snapped myself out of it and then we did the show and it was off to the races for then and then there was an up there was another up right you work hard you get something good and you get an up but then we got a new producer and he shuttered the show. He's like, we can easily move it off Broadway and save a lot of money and pay him half as much. And it's going to, you know, it'll be good for us in the upstairs office. You know, fuck the people that do it every day. So the day before our first preview, they come in and they, they take the show away. They cancel the entire run. And I had a nervous breakdown, a real one. Not like, oh, I was really upset and I stomped around. I went back to my apartment and I drank like a handle of Bacardi and I took my copper pot. I'm like, who the fuck do that? And I was like hitting the wall. My boyfriend's like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to handle it. And he called my mother. <laughs> I'm like, you called, and she, you know what she said? Well, you know, maybe she should go to Bellevue. She should learn a lesson. I said, I did learn a lesson, never, never to do anything without five billion contracts and five people in your corner, but there I was two years ago. This was two weeks before they announced the Tony nominations, and I'm sitting there with like a janky wrist, because I don't know, I threw something, and I was feeling sorry for myself, and I spent the night in the hospital, and I was like, that's it, we're going home. We're going home. Fuck these people, they don't appreciate me, but I didn't appreciate me, because I shouldn't have reacted that way. That was letting them get the best of me. Don't ever let people get the best of you because you're all you have, okay? So I'm here to show you that you can do better and you can come back from it. And then I was like, what? Lucy Liu just said my name on TV? I'm a Tony-nominated actress? Ding, Tigger came back. <laughs> and Eeyore went to the fucking closet and that's where Eeyore belongs. So there's a show called Title of Show and they have a song called Die Vampire Die. And anytime you're thinking about that shit, 
They said there's a few different types of vampires, but the first ones are like gnats, and they call them the pygmy vampires, and they're your own little thoughts that fly around your head that said, your teeth need whitening. You went to state school. You sound weird, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, or like Sondheim and Sedaris did it before you and better than you, you know? And it's just, just the way that you, you talk yourself out of success, because who are you, right? Who are you to, to get what you want out of life? Who aren't you to get what you want out of life? You know, and then the other one is the, the smell them up pine fresh air, air freshener people like your mom or your aunt that think that what you're doing is too, too risque or what you're doing is too lewd and you can't sing about, you know, vaginas or blowjobs or this, that. <laughs> and then they said, and when you're done, your work's just going to be toothless, gutless, and crotchless, but you're going to have two tight paragraphs about kittens that your grandma would be so proud of. And you don't want that. You just say, look, this is my traditional, that's what it was. That, that was my whole thing about this legacy, tradition. Just because it was traditional for our parents to go to school for four years, just because it was traditional for when you got out of school, if you were allowed to go to school as a girl, that you were supposed to get married and have children right away, that those traditions don't exist, especially not in this city, thank you. But just more and more as time goes by and you make your own traditions. And you know what, if your family's a piece of shit, have Thanksgiving with people here in the city that make you happy. You know what I mean? And spend time around people that want to spend time around you. And that's really fucking scary and that's really hard because these people raised you or you feel like you owe them something because you stood next to each other in blood. But, you know, once you're an adult, you get to choose your, your family and that's all part of unfuckery. You know, undo that fabric. You know what? Take all that base stitching out, rip it, and make yourself your own fucking beautiful dream coat. Okay? So, I don't know. Do I say yeah. anything else? <laughs> thank you very much sorry I can't keep this up um, so so how do you give how, how did you give yourself the permission to fuck everybody else and say you know I'm going to do what I want to do you know how do you give yourself the permission to say fuck fuck it I'm not going to go to Thanksgiving I'm going to spend it here right how do you give yourself that permission because you you see you are the only person that knows you better than anyone knows you and you can lie to anybody and you lie to we all lie to ourselves all the time but when you sit there and go okay go one, two, three, what's the thing that makes you happiest the most? And that's what you say. Mm -hmm. It's just that fear, and it's so funny with this net, I can't with you guys, because <laughs> Steve Harvey had this thing, and it was one of those like, oh, Facebook, everyone's passing this video around, and he said, you know, you might see all these people whizzing past you with their parachutes, getting that job, getting that life, getting that wife, getting that money, and this, that, the other thing, and you're standing on the edge of the cliff. Well, look, you're going to have to jump. He goes, the parachute will never open if you're standing on the cliff. He goes, you're going to have to jump, but you're going to fall down that hill. You're going to get scraped and scuffed and everything, but you keep trying to fly off that cliff, and eventually, once you trust yourself, it'll open up, and it's that. It's that, you know, the people that really want to be around you are going to be around you no matter what. You can't get rid of them. They're loyal, and it's a beautiful thing, and if you have one, you have one more than a lot of people. So, yeah. So there you go. Mary Bridget Davies. Hey, love to have you on this journey with me. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, this is a new adventure. If there's any topics you actually just want to hear me riff about or any legacy shows you're interested in, send me a righty right. You know, email me at michael at the legacy of you.com. 
It's spelled exactly like it sounds, the Michael at thelegacyofyou.com. Or check out more of my content that I create with my team at thelegacyofyou.com, the Legacy of You on Instagram, the Legacy of You on Facebook, the Legacy of You on Twitter. I, I don't think we have a Snapchat. If, if we do, no one told me about it. So uh, who knows what's on there? So enjoy. I hope you enjoyed this. You know, also, even if you don't want to write in telling me a topic you want to hear about, I always love to hear what was your takeaway today? What was your takeaway? What was the one message, the one thought, the one reminder that you heard today in this podcast that blew your mind wide open or reminded you of something important? Again, write me, michael at the legacy of you.com. You take care. Peace out.